0: On purpose. To rebuild the temple. Now they're going to have to rebuild their houses. They're going to have to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And you'll read Nehemiah. They're going to have to rebuild the fortifications, the walls around Jerusalem. Those are, those are important things. But their primary mission is to come back and to rebuild the temple. Cyrus the Great says, I'll give you, I'll provide you with the resources. I'll send a letter to the to the governors of the areas and say, Hey, you need timber? Send timber. Send timber to these people. He sent all of the artifacts that that, that the Babylonians had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem 70 years earlier. He gathers them up and he sends them back. And the first thing they do is they build an altar. They're on the right track. They build an altar. They begin to lay the foundation, but opposition occurs that opposition comes in the form of the Samaritans who said hey let us work on this with you no, 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 no. we'll do this work ourselves when that didn't when, when that didn't work they threatened attack when that didn't work when, when that didn't accomplish they sent a letter back to the Persian king saying hey This is a rebellious people. And uh, as soon as they rebuild their temple, you're not going to get any taxes out of them again. They're going to rebel against you. Just search the records and you'll find it. And the king, without doing his homework, without doing his homework, said, Okay, put a hold on all construction over there on that temple until I've had time to search. And the the wheels of government turn fast, don't they? They turn fast. And, And they just forgot about it. And the people left off building that temple for the next 15 years until Haggai is given this prophecy. And the prophet goes something like this. You keep saying, you people keep saying, it's not time to build my house. It's not time to build my house, but you've got plenty of time to build yours. You're living in nice sealed houses. And my house is in waste. (laughs) Hey, you've been going through a difficult time. You've been going through uh, a a time of of hardship. You plant, but you have no harvest. (laughs) You earn money, but it's like putting your wages into a bag that has holes in it. He says, the reason is because I brought a drought on you and a drought from god cannot just be the lack of rain drought from god can be the lack of blessings in a man's life can it i mean he can he can bring about a drought in our life in a number of different ways it doesn't just have to be that it's no rain it can be a lot of things and he says you want to know why you're suffering it's your fault it's your fault you're not building my house. What you need to do is you need to get up on that mountain and start cutting down trees. And so they begin. They begin. And now into chapter two and verse number one, mark the time, Mark the time. It is the 20, it is the 20th, or, or excuse me, the 21st day of the seventh month. So we start on the first day of the sixth month. Now you're the 21st day of the seventh month. So it's been approximately two months now. They did it. They began to work on the house of the Lord. They began to do it. Hey, when you're studying through things like this, you know, you might want (laughs) to... Okay, God just wants us to know that it was the 21st day of the seventh month. You might want to... You, you might want to slow down and, and think about this. In fact, a few Sunday mornings ago, Curtis was good enough to remind us that the Feast of Tabernacles occurred in the seventh month. The Feast of Tabernacles. When for seven days they built, uh, built, built booths they built them little tents, they built them little huts. And they lived in those tents, they lived in those booths, they lived in those huts to remind them of the time when their ancestors wandered in the wilderness and lived in tents. Now think about it, folks. Think about it. This is the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And God's house is in waste. God's having... He didn't need the house. You you know he didn't. But but God's house is in waste. He doesn't even have a house. And they've got sealed houses and they're reminding themselves of a time when their ancestors lived in tents. It's the 21st day of the seventh month. In fact, that Feast of Tabernacles is just about to end and the, the Feast of Harvest will begin. The Feast of Harvest, known better to us in the New Testament, which we'll conclude with with what we know as Pentecost in the New Testament. Pentecost, 50 days. we, We refer to it as 50 days after the Passover. It's 50 days after the first sickle has been put to the grain. The harvest is now finished. And here comes Pentecost, and you have this Feast of Harvest. The feast of harvest. Hey, we're we're, they're, they're about to enter into the feast of harvest now. Feast of harvest. Okay, harvest it. How's that look to you? How'd it look to them? They've got nothing. They've got nothing. They've been going through this period of drought because the Lord's house and He's disciplined them, but He didn't have to slap them around. For two or three days, two or three months, two or three years to get their attention. He disciplined them, and then he said, You need to get up on that mountain and start building. That's the reason I disciplined you because you did wrong. I love you. You need to get up on that mountain. And they didn't question it, they got up on the mountain and they started to work. And so now you're set you're approximately two months into that. And here's what he says: In the seventh month. In the one and twentieth day of the month came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai saying, verse 2, Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtel, the governor of Judah, and Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the remnant or the residue of the people saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not to your eyes in comparison as nothing you see, folks, there were still some people alive who had seen that temple that was destroyed by Babylon 70 years before. They had seen it. They would experienced the seven years in captivity. Now they're brought back. Now they're, they're, they're rebuilding this temple. They had seen the former, and now they're looking at two months of construction. And how much could a how much could a whole population do I mean every man every boy everyone of, of working health with, of ability of the children of Israel working on this temple for two months how much could get done I'm going to say quite a bit hey I'm going to bring that around to you and I what if every one of us got interested in building the Lord's house today? It's the church, isn't it? It's the church. Now, don't, don't, you know, don't mistake worship for work. I'm afraid we've done that. Well, I, I come to worship. Haven't I worked? No. Worship is one thing, work is another, right? Worship is one thing, work is another. What if every one of us were busy building the temple of the Lord today, the church? Building the house of the Lord today, the church? I mean, every one of us were busy talking to someone about their souls, encouraging them to come to Christ Every one of us. How many souls would be baptized this year if every one of ability in this building right here saw that as their responsibility? Well, it is. Well, it is. And so they have two months into this and... He he says God speaks to him through his prophet and says, "Hey, is there anyone still here who saw that temple, that former temple? And now you look at this one and how does it compare? And don't you say it's as nothing? It's as nothing." And you know, if you read in Ezra chapter 3 and Ezra chapter 4, <clears throat> if you read about the children of Israel as they are building this temple, when the foundation was laid, it says there at the end of Ezra chapter 3 that the old people wept because it just didn't compare to the former temple. The young people were thrilled to death and they were cheering. Yes, we've got the foundation laid. And the cheering and the weeping were so loud that you couldn't tell the weeping from the cheering. God says now, to Haggai, ask them, does it seem as nothing? Does it seem as nothing to you? Verse number four. Yet. This is God still speaking to them. Okay, to, in your eyes, to you, to you older folks, it seems as nothing. Yet. Now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, saith, uh, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord. And work, and work. When you get discouraged, when when you start a project and you get into it, and it's not turning out the way you thought it was going to turn out. Do any of you have any... it, uh, it, it, It wouldn't happen to you, would it, brother? But I've got projects laying around that I said, (laughs) forget it. It's not turning out the way I thought it would. It's not looking like I thought it would. Forget it. I got got birthday presents for grandkids hanging on walls and laying on shelves everywhere. Well, not really because I burned a lot of stuff this past week. But I just burned it. It didn't turn out the way. It wasn't going like I thought. I never finished it. I never finished it what's the what what what's facing these people they're two pe- they're 2 months into the work and the old people are saying that ain't nothing like the old temple i'm sorry guys y'all think y'all doing great but that ain't not. and the young people uh, you know discouragement could set in right discouragement could set in so here comes god's message to them be strong be strong and work and work here it is folks for I am with you saith the Lord now don't miss this don't miss this look right up here look in my eyes or look straight down at that Bible but don't you miss this look at verse 5 according this is God speaking according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt so my spirit remains among you fear not What promise did God make the children of Israel when he he delivered them out of Egyptian bondage? You know the one we'll think about first and foremost? I'm going to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. Oh, it's the land, it's the land. The promise that God made them that is the significant promise and the most important promise is I'm going to be with you. Because so what if you go into the land of Canaan and God's not with you? Right? So what? The promise that God made them is, I'm going to be with you. That's all that matters, folks. That's all that matters. Is God with you? And He says to these people who are two months into this, and and, and as they look at it, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to the former. God says, don't get discouraged. I'm paraphrasing for him now, but don't get discouraged. Stay strong. keep working. I'm with you. I want to bring it down to our day and age. You know, we think it's really, really hard, because we've been told that for so long by so many people that it's really, really hard to find somebody who's interested in becoming a Christian. It's the devil's lie. It's being told by devil's servants. It's not the truth. It's a lie. But we bought into it. Oh, it's so much harder. And it'll go something like this. Well, think about it. There were 3,000 who were baptized on the day of Pentecost. You don't see anything like that happening again. The The church multiplied. It multiplied both men and women. It multiplied greatly. And now look what we're doing. Well, I remember a time when the Church of Christ were the fastest growing religious, or second fastest growing religious organization in the world. And look at us. And we bought into that junk. That It's because people aren't interested in becoming Christians. And because we bought into the devil's lie that people aren't interested in becoming Christians, we're not going to share the gospel with them because we already know they wouldn't be interested anyway. You know what God would say to you? It's time you got up on that mountain and started chopping down trees. I'll be with you. And that's all that matters anyway. So what if you never converted another soul? I'd still be with you, right? And isn't that all that matters? But the truth is, if you'll share the gospel, you'll build his house. You'll grow. It will. It will the Lord's church will grow. But it's not one man's job. It's every one of us have that responsibility. Every one of us. He didn't say, hey, Zerubbabel, you need to chop down trees. Yeah, he said, Zerubbabel, you need to chop down trees. But he didn't say, do it by yourself. And he didn't say, Joshua, get up there and chop down. Oh, he did. But he didn't say, do it by yourself. All you people, right? All you people. You need to do this. You you, you need to do this too. And then you're going to get discouraged. If you're not careful, you're going to get discouraged. But stay strong. And work. And work. I know. Work's a four-letter word, and we're not supposed to use four-letter words, are we? And work. Work. And work. And I'll be with you. And That's what the church is all about anyway. <laughs> How many times do you read in the page of the New Testament? And you'll be my people. And I'll be your God. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Hey. I, I think I probably did this a few weeks ago. When is a time in the New Testament when you, when you can recollect that phrase? I'll be with you. How about the great commission of Matthew chapter 28? Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all way, even unto the end of the world. When did he promise to be with us? When we're out teaching. When we're out teaching. That's when he's promised to be with us. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And that's all that matters. I'll be with you. So just stay strong and keep working. Listen to this promise, though. Listen to this promise. Verse 6, i I'm down through verse 9. I probably haven't got it wrote all on one slide there, so I'll break it down for you. Verse 6 and 7. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake heavens and earth and sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations... Look at this phrase, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I'll fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. How you say it's nothing. Look at it. You say compared to the other one, it's nothing. He said, but I'm going to be with you, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I'll fill this house with glory. Keep your finger here. If you you wish, you can can find this pretty easy. It's the last uh, book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1. Malachi 3, verse number 1. Remember he said, and the desire of all nations will come. What's he talking about? It's not what he's talking about. It's who he's talking about. And the desire of all nations will come. Look, this is Malachi 3, verse 1. Speaking of the coming of our Lord, Behold, I will send my messenger. That would be John the Baptist. And he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come into his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come. The Lord of hosts. God's promising them, I'm going to fill this temple with glory, greater glory than in the other temple. I'm going to fill this temple with glory. Now they had to wait 500 years for it. How would you like an investment like that? Someone says, hey, I have I got a deal for you. You give me this much money and in 500 years it will have tripled. What would you say? well I'd say what good's you it going to do me right you think I'm going to live 500 years but they had to wait 500 years for it but that's okay because in that 500 year period who had been with them God had been with them God had been with their children God had been with their grandchildren God had been, God had been, God had been with them and then Jesus comes and did Jesus ever go into his temple into this temple yeah yeah he went in there He went in there at the age of 12, didn't he? Y'all know your Bibles, right? He went in there at the age of 12. At the age of 30, he went in there. And he cleansed it, didn't he? He cleansed it. At the age of 33, he goes into that temple again and he cleanses it again. He says, You've made my father's house a den of thieves. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. And he cleansed it. And he cleansed it again. Jesus was in this temple. He was in it. Hey, bring it on down. Bring it on down. That physical temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. But does God have a temple today? And the answer is yes. It's the church. Is Christ in his church? It's there. And all nations do. Desire. This is what we've been looking for from the time that Adam and Eve ate that fruit and was cast out of that garden. This is what we've been looking for. We've been desiring it. When will it come? When will it come? And now it's come and we don't appreciate it. Now he's come. He's in his church. Hey, I'll read a little bit further for you. Verse 8 and 9. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. This latter house will be greater than the former? Yeah, be greater than the former. Because when Jesus died... On the cross, the veil of that temple was split from top to bottom. So availability into the kingdom of God and and, and into the presence of God now, not just available to one man one time a year, it's available now. All men any time, Jew or Gentile. Right? Right? And Jesus is our peacemaker, right? And I'll bring peace to this place. And Jesus is our peacemaker. That's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, 14. And he is our peace. Who has broken down the middle wall of petition between us. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of the two, the Jew and the Gentile, one new man. So making peace. And he came and he preached peace to you that were far off. That's us Gentiles. And to them that were near. God promises to bless us. To bless us if we'll work at building his house and if we'll stay strong and work. And work. Okay. That happens on the 21st day of what month? I told you all to remember this. Of the 7th month, right? Look at verse 10. In the. 24th day of the ninth month. In the 24th day of the ninth month. So now you're about six months from that first, right? From that first, and you're about four months from the second message. God sends through Haggai this message, this message. It's on the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month. So they've been about—they've uh, uh, been about—excuse me, three months. They've been about three months into this uh, into this work project. Listen to this, verse eleven. Thus saith the Lord of Hosts: Ask now the priest concerning the law. So you're going to ask the priest about something regarding the law, saying. If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and his skirt does does touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Okay. Let's get on with this. The priest has has this sacrifice that has been made, and it's holy now, and he's carried it in the skirt of his garment. He's carrying it. And his garment brushes against some bread or some soup or some wine. The question is, since that holy thing brushed against that bread or pottage or wine, does that bread, pottage, or wine become holy? And the answer is no. No. So... Holiness does not transfer. Right? Holiness does not transfer. Okay? Second question. Second question. Uh, Then Haggai, then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be clean? And the priest answered and said, It's unclean. It's unclean. Okay, so. I mean, under the law, under the law, becoming unclean was a serious matter. And to touch a dead body made one unclean for an extended period of time. You with me? You with me? But let's say, here's a man who touched an unclean thing, but now he touches something that's holy. Does that now mean he's clean? No. 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 Holiness doesn't transfer. Holiness doesn't transfer. Because something is holy, it touches something that's not, that's not holy. That doesn't make that thing that he touched holy now. Because he's unclean, it, it touches something that's, that's holy. What does he make it? He makes that unclean. That transfers. The uncleanness transfers. You with me? The uncleanness transfers. Tell us what you're talking about then, Lord. Then answered Haggai and said, "Verse fourteen: So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands; that which they offer is unclean." They were going through. They were going through their 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 sacrifices. They'd built that altar fifteen years ago. They'd built that altar. They were going through their activities. They were going through through all of this stuff, but they're unclean. They're unclean. So anything they touch becomes. I'm going to give you time to sort this out. They're unclean. So now they come and offer this sacrifice. What does the sacrifice become? Unclean, unclean. Well. I came and offered a sacrifice, yeah, but a sacrifice that is holy doesn't transfer the holiness to the unclean one. But the unclean one can transfer the uncleanness to the sacrifice. God says, that's what's going on with my people here now. That's what's going on with them. <laughs> hey, it's, it, it's like, you know, there's only one thing, folks. There's only one thing. That you can do with sin in your life. There's only one thing that can be done with it. That will make it pleasing with God. Repent of it. Repent of it. I mean you say. Well I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to. I, I hadn't lived so great this week. I'm going to go to service three times this week. That'll do it. I'm going to church Sunday. and I'll take communion four times. That'll make it right, won't it? No. That uncleanness just made what you tried to do, what? It just made it unclean, didn't it? It just made it unclean. There is only one thing you can do with sin in your life that will make it right with God, and that's repent of it. Repent of it. And this people, this people had not repented of it. For fifteen years, they've been going through this, and so God now says to them, verse fifteen. And now consider, I pray you, from this day and upward, think about the time from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Think back to then, since those days were when one came up to a heap of twenty me- uh, to a heap of twenty measures, but there were ten. So you came in, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a bountiful crop. He comes in, 20, thinks he's got 20 measures. When he measures it out, how much was it? Ten. Ten. There were but ten. When one came to press fat for to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, he thought he was going to get 50. He came out with 20. He came out with 20. Here it is, verse 17. I smote you with a blasting and with mildew and with all with hail in all the labors of your hands. Yet you turn not to me, saith the Lord. Yet you turn not to me. What was the purpose for the discipline? Well, why do you discipline your children? Oh, I forgot. You don't. If you follow the, if you follow the guidelines of higher education, don't, oh, It goes something like this. Oh, you discipline your children? You must not love them. I'll tell you what, folks. I disciplined my children. I disciplined because I did love them and I do love them. Amen, church? God says, I disciplined you and you still didn't turn to me. So what what do you do as a parent when you discipline your child and they still don't they still don't. Ex- what do you do? You discipline more, don't you? You discipline more. God says, and you still didn't turn to me. But now, but now, He says, verse eighteen: Consider now, consider now, from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day in the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider it. But consider it now. Now you're about my work. Now you're, doing, you're, you're building my temple. Consider that. He says, is the seed yet in the barn? Yes. And it, as yet the vine and the fig and the pomegranate and the olive tree have, brought, have not brought forth. From this day forward, though, from this day forward, I'll bless you. From this day forward, I'll bless you. Why? Why? What's the difference? What's the difference? Here's the difference, folks. They've been taking care of their own business and letting the work of the Lord go. Now they're taking care of the work of the Lord and forgetting about their own business. Have it, 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 I pretty well got it? And how long have they been at it? Three months. Three months. And God says, hey, before, I blasted you. But from this day forward... I will bless you. I will bless you. I want to end with this last verse because it's a promise about our Messiah. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant. It's easy for us to read that and say, oh, he's just talking to Zerubbabel. But folks, Zerubbabel is a personification of Christ. Christ. Listen now. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shetel, saith the Lord, and I will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. I want to take you back. and You don't even have to keep the place because I'm not coming back anymore. We're finished. But in Jeremiah chapter 22... Jeremiah chapter twenty two. This, this man is sometimes known is sometimes known as uh, Jeconiah. Here he's known as Coniah in this translation, but he's the same man. He's the son. He's the son of Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was the last official. King of the Jews. Babylon came and t- took Jehoiakim away and appointed Jehoiakim's son, Jeconiah, also known as Coniah, to be his son. He only reigned three months. He only reigned three months. And Babylon came and took him away it carried him off to Babylonian captivity. I'm looking at Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 24. As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah... Jeconiah, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet upon my right hand, yet I will pluck it from thence. No longer, no longer will there be one of the seed of David sitting on the throne of Israel until Christ comes. I've taken that signet ring and I've taken it from him. But Christ will come. Christ will come. And he's my chosen one. He's my chosen one, saith the Lord of hosts. That's the way you can think about it. That's the way you... The the curse on Jeconiah, having the signet ring removed, is restored with Christ. Remember when Jesus was born? Luke chapter 22. What is that? Verse 39? I might miss that a verse or two. Luke 2 verse 39. The angel appears to Mary and says uh, concerning the one that is in you he shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Most High. The Son of the Most High. And the Lord Himself will give unto him the throne of David forever. Forever. Blessing restored. Blessing restored. Folks, we're living in this age. We're living in this age. We are the temple of the Lord. We are. Let me close with this. I'm Well, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But you don't know how busy I am. Listen to me, folks. Every one of us got time to serve the Lord. Every one of us has got time to build His kingdom. It's all a matter of priorities. You're either going to work on your own stuff or you're going to work on His. Isn't that right? You're either going to work on your own stuff or you're going to work on His. But you're going to work on something. You're going to be building something. You are. Every one of us. We all have the same number of hours in the day. I don't think anyone's been given less than anybody else. Do you? Last time I checked, it was 24 hours. Last time I checked, it was 24 hours. Every one of us have the same number of hours in the day. But every time we start thinking like this, that, hey, every one of us is responsible for building this temple. Every one of us. But I'm busy. I'm busier than anybody else. I don't have as much time as so-and-so does. Last time I checked, everybody had the same amount of time. It comes down to priorities. And really, that's what the Lord, through Haggai, is talking to the children of Israel about. Their priorities. Their priorities. Oh, it's not time to build my house? but you've got time to build yours you've got time to do your thing but you don't have time to do mine the work I set you to do so church if we need to repent we need to repent that's all you can do with sin that's all you can do with it if you need to repent we need to repent we gotta decide for ourselves each individual has to decide for themselves I have to decide for myself. I have to decide for myself. But I'll also answer for myself too, won't I? This morning, if you're a child of God and we can help you in any way, we're here to do it. If you need to be baptized just like our sister Laura was baptized into Christ this morning, we'll help you with that. If you need to become a Christian, let us know. That If you're standing in need in any way, I'll be standing right down here at the front. You make your way to the front. Do that as together we stand and sing. David. Good morning. Um, I'm Gary this morning. They're out of town. Uh, If you picked up the bulletin in the back, you can follow along. I'll just kind of hit the high points as we go. Vanessa is going to be having rotator cuff surgery coming up on Tuesday. Orthopedic surgery is never fine. So, uh, Vanessa, reach out to us if there's something we can do to help you out with that. Ken back.